0: This is the first episode of Let's Grab Coffee. Uh, so it's a podcast that I started. I really just want to bring uh, successful individuals in different industries uh, to see what kinds of things they're doing, some of the experiences they have, and really just to have them share them with us here today. Uh, so I'm super pumped, I'm super excited to have our first guest. Paul Nado, is here with me today. Paul has amazing experience. He was a police detective, an investigator, hostage negotiator, Paul was then deployed on an international peacekeeping mission to Jordan. And this was at the age of 49 years old. Something yeah. impeccable. Uh, Paul doesn't stop there. You know, he went, became an instructor, uh, a lecturer, a motivational speaker. Uh, doesn't stop there either. Paul then goes, speaks at TEDx, an accomplishment every single presenter, including myself, uh, wants to do one time in, uh, in their life. Uh, he delivers uh, an impeccable performance. And then finally, to wrap this gift up, Uh, Paul publishes Hostage to Myself, a book you can find on Amazon and I urge you, friends I urge you to buy this book, it's an amazing book a lot of great experiences which we'll talk about today Um, and to be honest I have one more thing, Paul is also a professional actor, he's done some really cool shows, short films here in Toronto, Uh, I'm so so humbled Paul, really from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being here let's grab some coffee and uh, let's just cheers to the first episode cheers exactly,
1: well George I want to First, start off by saying thank you so much for including me in your very first My podcast, pleasure. and I wish you every success. It is a great concept, and I'm excited to be here myself.
0: Thank you very much. Oh I'm, I'm so glad to get underway. And thank you to all those who are on Facebook Live. We're also filming YouTube, so it's all gonna be there. Yeah, yeah. They're all excited to see you, Paul. Great. Um, I got a first question for you. Yeah, Tell me what it takes to be a hostage negotiator. Huh. Well, uh, okay. What does it take to be a hostage negotiator? It, number one,
1: it takes a desire and a will to do it. It also takes uh, somebody who really knows how to communicate with people. Because you can imagine, hostage negotiations, we're talking to people who have taken hostages, are threatening to kill people, or on the other hand, we call it also crisis negotiation, because about 95% of the, the calls that a hostage negotiator goes out to are people in distress, suicidal individuals. So what you're looking for are people who are committed, people who are willing to put in the work to do it, and people who are uh, interested in making a difference, but they can communicate. So it takes a lot of training to be one. But I think the the most important thing is the ability to communicate and communicate well with people.
0: Wow, okay, so I got a question for you. Yeah. Now I come from a finance background, you know, graduating university and stuff. and I, I mean, for us, when we want to apply to a job, it's a traditional route, right? Like, you get your resume, you either apply online or hit up a connection that you have. Is, is it a similar process for a hostage negotiator or does it depend on the experience being as a police detective? It uh, depends on the
1: experience that you have. And uh, I worked uh, for a regional uh, department, Durham region, yeah. and uh, we only had a couple of hostage negotiators, maybe about four or five. When a position became available, I had worked for several years as an an interviewer and interrogator, and I was quite good at it. And when this position came up, I just applied for it and said, hey, I'd love to do it. Now, the people that I was working with they, uh, they knew my ability, they knew my capability, but the decision was not theirs. It really rested with uh, the uh, RCMP. They had to make a final decision as to whether or not you were qualified uh, to, to do the work. So I had to go through a process with the RCMP before they selected me.
0: Wow, yeah. And so, I mean, I always talk about attaching purpose to action, right? You always start with your why, and then you get to the what. Now, you know, as a child, I was, I was overweight. I was the chubby guy, the funny guy. Uh, but you know, I've had so many different routes in life, yeah. and I never really knew exactly what I wanted to be. Uh, did you just wake up one day and say, "You know what? I'm going to be a hostage negotiator"? How did that happen for you, Paul? No, 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 no. Uh, well, are you asking
1: specifically about being a hostage negotiator or about becoming a cop? Really, both. Just
0: in, in that in that
1: type of industry. I mean, how did you? Okay. How did um, you get into yeah. It? He, here's how it happened for me. Uh, I grew up in a very abusive home. My father was a very mean uh, and physically uh, terrible individual. He... he, he hear that. Yeah, well, you know what, it, it, it's the past. I'll get to that in a minute. But yeah. really, it comes down to the fact that I grew up in a home uh, in which we were all afraid to, to do anything. And we were beaten. My mom was beaten. My, you know, my siblings were beaten. We lived in that kind of environment. And I remember when I was about seven years old, um, after having taken everything that I had taken, after, af- after having watched my, my family go through everything, I decided at seven years old that when I grew up, I was going to become a policeman so I could arrest people like my dad. That was a little bit of a promise that I made to myself uh, to, to become this, this police officer. And as the years went by, that, that dream never died. I just wanted to, uh, to do that. Now, my father killed himself when I was 17. He uh, shot himself, and uh, so arresting him, uh, I never got an opportunity to to, to do. But um, you know, when I got through that, uh, I still joined the police at 21, and after being there, I just applied myself as much as I could to get whatever. Jobs I thought would be great and fun. <laughs> I want to have fun when I'm working. Now, you say hostage negotiations. What, <laughs> yeah, is, is that fun? No, it's not. It's not. It is very stressful, but it is very worthwhile because yeah. if you do it well, you're saving lives. That's the reward. That's the reward, George. Yeah, yeah. When you're saving lives and you leave that night or that morning, whatever, you know, a hostage negotiation can go anywhere from two, three, four hours to 24 hours. You know, God knows, you know how many hours it could, and some of them stretch off into days. I've never had one of those, but right. I've had long ones, and uh, every one of them were successful. And I was blessed that nobody
0: died on my watch. Paul, I want to stick on on this subject. There's yeah. something important I want I want to get out here. How do you stay calm? Actually, I skipped I skipped a couple of questions, but but you touched on mm. on, a, on a great topic here, and I really want to hammer hammer it home for those watching. How do you remain calm in in, in these types of conflicts? in these types of very stressful situations? What do you, like, do you, I don't know, meditate internally? What's, what's your process of just remaining calm, being there, staying rational? Don't let your emotions get to you. How do you solve the problems? Make quick judgments. How does that all happen? Well, let's, um, let's look at, at what it takes
1: to be a hostage negotiator. Yes. Other than the will, um, it takes a lot of training. And the training includes... Uh, professional actors that come in and uh, they're going to play the roles of the suicidal people or the hostage takers. We have no idea what the scenario is going to be, but we practice all the time. So it's, it's very much like uh, firemen who go out and may practice for fire calls all the time, so that when it does happen, mm-hmm. you've done it so often that you feel a level of comfort. Right. And so it, the practicing and the role-playing uh, s- uh, sitting in, in, in a small room, you know, talking on a phone with a hostage taker uh, and, and getting a scenario given to you that you've practiced, you know, maybe three weeks ago, very much helps, you know, in the overall process because, and how do I remain calm? I have to be focused. I have to, um, I have to remind myself that this is my job and I'm going to ju- do my job well. And I'm not doing it alone. I have uh, a number of people who are working with me. Uh, as a hostage negotiator, if I'm a, a primary hostage negotiator, you would be my secondary negotiator. Now I'm in charge of, uh, of, of talking with the suspect, with the individual, and should the communication break down for whatever reason, that'll be handed off to you. You, you might have to start off and, and say, hey, you know, I, I realize it didn't work out with Paul, and my name is George and I'm a negotiator as well, I want to work with you. So we work as a team. Then we also have people in the background conducting uh, investigations on who these individuals are. I want to know what they had for breakfast. I (laughs) want to know who they love. I want to know what's meaningful to them because if I can bring that in, my intelligence officers who are working there will slip us pieces of the paper and we'll take a look at that and say, okay, he's got two daughters and he really loves his two daughters. So if I, can, if I can bring that into the conversation and remind him of what really is important to him, uh, then that will be uh, part of the success of talking him out. So I will prepare myself mentally. I'll remember that it is a job, and I will approach it with, with the utmost um, caution and respect. And I will do my best
0: to make sure that I get the person talking. That's interesting. Yeah, Paul. I think uh, you know, a lot of people watching this, including myself, uh, we have so so many things we're always afraid of. Um, you know, when, when I first launched my first YouTube uh, video, it was terribly edited. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even know how to use Adobe <laughs> software. It was just all over the place. And I guarantee you, a lot of people got a good chuckle out of it, but. You know, what it did teach me and a lot of people who who took it in good faith that you just have to just jump in sometimes, including this podcast. You know, I mentioned to you that I had no prior experience. I don't have an official website. I don't even have a huge budget for this. I mean, I'm shooting from my camera, uh, Facebook Live, from my cell phone. We're here. We're doing it, though. Yeah, we're doing it. I'm so grateful that you took on this opportunity. But how do you overcome this fear? You've done presentations on TEDx international peacekeeping, uh, where you had to leave your family, you had to just pursue this opportunity, you know, how do you, how do you just say, you know what, fear does not exist. The only limits that exist are the ones I create for myself. I can do this. You've answered that, you know, and, and,
1: and wonderfully, George. Uh, you know, fear is a four-letter word that we should all look at as being the nastiest word out there. The word fear, F-E-A-R, is a dream killer. And, and we have to look at fear as being uh, maybe an obstacle, but also an obstacle that we can get around, that we can face. Face your monsters, face your fears, because if you don't, you will sit back and you will accomplish nothing. Amen. Today you would not be doing yes. this broadcast. We would not be here yes. talking to you, wonderful people here. We wouldn't be doing that because you'd be sitting there thinking, "Well, you know, it'd be kind of nice." It's like uh, we talked a little bit earlier. I, I remember when I, I became single again. You know, like the, uh, you know, the, the fear of asking a pretty girl out or, or or somebody that you like out is like, oh, maybe she'll say no. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but if you never do it, you might have missed your opportunity to. Find your soulmate, and it's the same with anything else. You have to convince yourself. You know what? I'm not afraid. You know, and inside you're shaking in your boots, right? You go, Oh my God! You know, like I really am afraid. But by God, you know, just step forward and do it. When you step forward and do it, it gets easier and easier every time that you do it because the fear gets replaced by confidence. But it does not get replaced by confidence unless you face it and move beyond it. And when I was um, going to, to Jordan, I, I kinda figured <clears throat> excuse me, I kinda figured that this may this may be it. You know, like I, I had no idea I could get killed by terrorists. I, I I had all these these imaginations of what might happen when I'm in the field and these fears of what might happen, but my purpose was greater than me. Yes. The reason I went to to Jordan was to help in the fight against terrorism. And I realized that I had to face that fear because my goal was greater than myself. And when you look at your fears and say, "Okay, despite my fear, this is what I want in the end. Mm -hmm. And if you move beyond that and say, I'm going to take that fear, stomp it out. It's a dream killer. It's going to prevent me from doing something. Why? Because I want to do it. I'm worthy of doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm capable of doing it. And sometimes it's mantras, George. Sometimes we just have to wake up in the morning and, and, and uh, you know, tell ourselves that we're wonderful, we're beautiful, we're capable. And remind ourselves, and not only just say the words, but the words have to follow uh, with action. Mm. And you have to, you just have to do it. If you don't learn something, it won't come.
0: Right. I think, I think that's, that's, that's a great segue to the next question because, you know, okay, fear is, is one thing on the side, but I think the biggest fear is the fear of failure. Like as soon as you want to start something, your mind already starts calculating scenarios. What if something goes wrong? Right now, my phone could just tip over, Facebook Live would be over. Right now, we could have dropped the camera while we were putting it on the tripod. There would be no interview today. I mean, so many scenarios could happen. How do you, how do you just say, you know what, I can't fail, but I can also learn from my failures. And something positive at the end of it will occur. Okay. One of the things that I write in my book,
1: Hostage to Myself, is that we really are hostages to ourselves. We are oftentimes the worst enemies that we can possibly find. It's those little nagging voices in our heads that tell us that we can't do something, that we're incapable of doing something, that keeps us hostage to, to these beliefs, these self-sabotaging beliefs. So how do you, how do you get a, a beyond that? You, you recognize that you are caging yourself, that you are, you are digging a hole. Uh, you know, and it could be it could be a sad, sad, dark hole that you're in. You find yourself in, and God knows we have all been in sad, dark places. Oh, yeah. But the idea is that when you're digging that 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 pit of sadness, put the darn shovel down and start looking. You know, for you know the exit. Right. Some of the people who are the most successful in, in life and who have lived before us are people who constantly fail. Abraham Lincoln. How many times did he fail before he became the president of the United States? Yeah. Oprah Winfrey was told, you know, she was too large to have her own uh, television show. Did that discourage her? I'm sure it did, but it didn't discourage her to the point where she uh, where she moved beyond that and did something. Uh, Michael Jordan was told he couldn't play basketball. Thomas well, Edison. Thomas Edison, exactly. Right, right. Let's take a look. You know, Wayne Gretzky uh, once said that we all. We will miss 100% of the shots that we don't take. And how true is that if we don't try something? If we're afraid of failing, then we're afraid of moving forward. And if you want to be a success, you must move forward despite the failures that you've had in your past because it teaches you something. Mm -hmm. Be open-minded. It's like Bruce Lee would say, "Be open-minded." You know, like it's just yes. Focus on the Zen. Exactly. Focus on the Zen. Focus on what's inside your heart. Yeah. And remember that you are not a hostage to anything unless you choose to be. You're not a hostage to fear. You're not a hostage to what happened to you in the past. Guess what? What happened to you in the past is in the past. Leave it there. You know. Don't blame. Don't blame your past for your current situation right now. Yeah. you know because blame is a killer too. You know we can lean on blame. I remember as a detective, yes. I used to sit in uh, in, in the courtroom, mm-hmm. and I'd have a case before the before the court, and the accused was before the court, and so many defense lawyers would come and say. Well, Your Honor, my, 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 my client, he, uh, boy, he had a bad childhood. He, uh, he once fell off his bike, Your Honor. He, he fell off his bike, and that left him with some permanent scars. And they would use that as an excuse, a- a- and they would blame their past circumstances for the crimes they committed. Well, that's foolishness. That's crazy, you know? So when we look at the people who have gone past the naysayers, we've gone, you know, these people who are now successful, multimillionaires and some of them billionaires, is that they did something that a lot of people out there don't do. Mm -hmm. They left their fear behind. Or they carried it with them and got used to it and then got beyond it. Whatever it was, they tried something and they were motivated to succeed.
0: I want to touch up on something here, okay? Because uh, so first of all, we all know the blame game. I've played it many, many times. Yeah. You know, I wake up at 5 a.m. and a lot of people know this, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I come back home and all I want to do is eat a, a you know, a jar of Nutella. Like, mm. I want to pig out. I don't want to see anybody. I want to sit in my room. I want to complain, blame someone, blame my environment, my current financial situation. Uh, but one thing, Paul, that you know, I, I try to, you know, say whether it's in my videos or whether it's in my blogs, or my articles. I try to sell the notion of resourcefulness, right? That you don't have to have everything to start. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be super skilled. Just give it a shot, try it out, and see if it happens. Tony Robbins, uh, a motivational speaker, one of the best, one of the most well-known, he just, he says, the key to happiness is progression. Make that positive progression. When you do something, you feel good about it. So uh, in your case, what, you know, has it been trying out different Different roles, whether it's acting, motivational speaking, uh, policing, p- policing work. Has it been? Has that been your, your happiness to, to, to fill to fill, you know, to fulfill your life? I guess. No, not entirely. Um, I remember
1: many, many years ago, my oldest daughter. She was about uh, eight years old, and, and she caught me off guard with one of the questions I remember to this day. She came to me and she says, "Dad, what's the meaning of life?" Sat back for a few moments, and, and I really contemplated an answer. This is my daughter, someone I love very much, and, and I wanted to provide the best answer I could, but on the spot, my answer was relationships so one of the, one of the most important things to me is is personal relationships you know and, and being the best dad I can be, being the best friend I can be, being, being the best I possibly can. The different jobs that I've done I've been passionate about doing them I decided that I would we have two closets in our brain mm-hmm. and and uh, on the one side of your closet are beautiful garments their hope their happiness their joy their success that is what you can clothe your inner side with mm-hmm. on the other side you have darkness hatred anger and fear and just as we get ready in the morning to clothe ourselves for our exterior bodies, so we should go into those closets of our mind and choose our attitudes for the day. Wow. So really, it, it is is—it is taking a few moments at the beginning of your day. You're right. Sometimes we come home and we're just too exhausted, or we feel that we're too exhausted to do anything. Well, if that's the kind of life that a person chooses, and I, I use the word chooses to live, Yes all power to them um, at the end of their years, I'm afraid that they may be uh, on their deathbed, they may be visited by the ghosts of opportunity who surround their beds and say, you know, you really had a lot of opportunity out there and you decided to watch Netflix. You decided yeah. to... Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and and it's that way. I don't want to be surrounded by the ghosts uh, of uh, of... My, my past uh, missed opportunities. I don't want to, I want to, on my deathbed, I want to be lying there and, and, and having all my goats and everybody surround me and go, wow,
0: what a ride that was. He did it, yeah.
1: Yeah, you did it. You did everything you possibly could. Right. So, so, you know, when you're exhausted, when you're, you're afraid, when you're down, you really have to look at yourself and say, what do I want? and examine yourself deeply on the inside. What is it that would make me happy? Yes. Would it make me happy to learn an instrument? Would it make me happy to be more physically fit? Would it make me happy? Where am I weak in and where am I strong in? Remember, look at your strengths as well, but also look at where you would like to improve, and then ask yourself, do you want it? Yes. But That's not all. How bad, bad do you want, do you want? It? How bad do you want it? Are you willing to wake up at... at Six o'clock in the morning. Work two hours in the gym, then go to work. You know, are you willing to Pupping make it? A me p- up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> but You, I you know, want to go name, gym but right. exactly. <laughs> you know, if you want it bad enough, you can get it. Yeah. D- despite you know, I got knocked off my horse, and you know, like uh, I, I went from uh, when I say I got knocked off my horse after um, you know after retiring from the police department, yeah. I had set off to uh, to really uh, work on my acting. And then my wife at the time uh, informed me that she had been having an affair and wanted a divorce. So my income went from you know being quite, uh, quite good and secure to being next to nothing. And I found myself in a situation where I really had to start over financially. And that kind of knocked the wind out of my sails. But I had to draw back from what I've experienced, what I've learned, and then start to, to move forward and out of that, this book was written. Right. Because I had no intention of writing a book. Paul Nadeau, writing a book? I don't think so. Yeah. You know, like, uh, it, it had never, you know, occurred to me. But I would start to, p- to talk to people about uh, my experiences and what I had learned over the years. And one week in particular, the universe came knocking on my head. And actually knocked on my head three <laughs> times. Said, hey, Paul, are you listening? Because the first guy said, Paul, you really need to write a book. Mm-hmm. second person said, uh, second person said oh, I'll oh, write this damn book." <laughs> they write this damn book. <laughs> so two years I, I spent writing, you know, this book, which is really um, an autobiography, but also a self-help book. I didn't realize it was going to be a self-help book, but there was so much I felt I could offer people uh, from the experiences and from the stories that other people have told me. So you, know, from something bad,
0: something good, good occurred and happened. Yeah. And let me just make something clear here, folks. Uh, what, I think what we're trying to, what trying to convey here is that hard work, the grind that I always talk about, you don't have to do it, right? Like, if, if you're comfortable going back home and watching Netflix, kudos to you. Like we're, we're not yeah. trying to, it, there's no enforcement to, to how you should live your life, to what makes you happy. Our points only here are that if you want to do something, if you're passionate about starting that website, writing that book... You know, starting that blog, singing on YouTube just to showcase your talent. You have to do it. And, and, you know, there is no short game. Like, you can't go home after you have a full-time job and say, you know what, I worked 10 hours uh, t- already today. I'm too tired. I'm just going to go to bed. Like, I came back from my full-time job and we're doing this right here, right now. So, look, this is what this book is trying to convey. There's no self-sabotage. That's only in your mind. You're creating those limits. So, that's all we're trying to say. If you want that hustle, if you want that grind, you want the paper, like, you have to work for it. And I think I mean you're a great testament to that. Thank you, George. So yeah. I mean, you know, there was there was one thing actually that that I, I read about you, and it was it was mentioned in several interviews. Uh, because we're on the topic now uh, of of say conflict resolution, and mm-hmm. we've already discussed a bit of your hostage negotiation. In two thousand five, there was an incident, if you recall. Mm, I do. <laughs> I wa- I, wa- I want you to tell this story because it's a fascinating story, and and I, I just I want to I want to hear the lessons that you learned from it.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. The. Uh, the story you're referring to, and the event that you're referring to, occurred in uh, Paris, France, 2005. I had uh, I was on the peacekeeping mission for about six months, and I had traveled to Canada to spend a couple of weeks with my family, and I was on my way back to my mission. And we uh, were sitting on the tarmac uh, in a 747 in Paris, France, and uh, waiting to, to take the final flight over to Jordan. Needless to say, I was exhausted and I'm sure that most of the passengers were exhausted because our our flight takeoff time was delayed by 40, 45 minutes. No word from the captain, the the stewardesses had no idea what was going on. We're sitting there and all I wanted to do was just lie back and have a little (laughs) bit of sleep and then all of a sudden I glance over and I see the captain of the plane surrounded by heavily armed police officers come in to the passenger area and shout at one man. Now, you gotta realize the captain of the ship or the captain of of a pilot is the the extreme law. You know, they have all authority over what happens in, in, in their particular craft. So the police actually have to follow the captain's direction and order. When he came in surrounded by all these police officers and the cars outside, you could see them parked all over the place. Um, It looked like an assault was about to happen. And it became very clear to me that what the captain was trying to do was negotiate with the passenger, a suspected terrorist at that, about getting off his plane. This man had made a terrorist threat to blow up the plane. Now everybody in the in, in their seats were like, like one of these, right? You know, like and, and, and I'm sure that there were some people texting, you know, their loved ones. Just, sure. it, it, it's a sad situation where you feel that your life, you know, like and and we just went through that uh, that that terrible experience in Orlando. Yes. You know, like uh, my heart goes out to to all the LGBT community and everybody else who's affected by this to the Better. whole world. Um, but imagine yourself, you know, not certain what your next few moments are going to be. And the fact that he was shouting at this man, I was a trained hostage negotiator. Mm -hmm. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And uh, I I realized that that this interchange between the two of them was not going too well. And I thought to myself, what would ever, ever make someone engage with a suspected terrorist in that fashion? So I, I, I slowly raised my hand out of caution because, of you know, I didn't want to draw too much. Of, hey, how you doing? You know, boom, boom, boom. There you yeah. go. Okay, he must be the second terrorist because usually terrorists work in pairs, right? In a plane. Yeah, so I was very, very cautious and, and I got up and, and uh, I speak French. And so I spoke to the captain in French. I identified myself as, as a police officer yeah. and as a hostage negotiator. Yeah. I asked if I could speak with him and he allowed me to approach and everybody, I mean, was just sitting on the edge of their their, their chairs, trembling, yeah. and uh, the police officers had their hands on their guns; they were ready to uh, to uh, engage uh, the su- the suspect. And, and I walked up to him and I said, "I'm a hostage negotiator. I've been a negotiator for seven years. Would you, would, you, would you mind? Would you allow me to talk to this man? I'll get him off the plane." And he, he actually put his hand on my shoulder. He says, Oh, yes, please. Um, Go uh, ahead. It's all yeah, yours, please. yeah, it's all yours. <laughs> so, uh, a 45 minute negotiation then transpired, and wow. I was able to successfully uh, talk the man into custody. That's uh, amazing. We were removed from the plane. Uh, to this day, I have no idea if they found a bomb on that plane. I don't know whether I potentially had saved the lives of everybody, but the fact is, in my books it's a success, yes, and uh, you know it was instinctive for me to you, you don't stand by and watch a terrible situation unfold when you know that you can handle it much better sure yeah
0: wow that's i mean that that's an amazing story, and I've heard this, I think like four times as I was doing my <laughs> study on, but hearing it live, man I mean. It's just it's 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 insane how some people can just revert to work mode. You know, it's like if I was in business class, you know, on the plane, I was a host negotiator, I'm about to like, you know, unwrap the butter, put it on the croissant, put some jam on it, yeah, yeah, lay it yeah. back and all of a sudden it's like <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. It's go time.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean
0: that that's what's interesting is you just revert it back to it and, and you have you have an insane ability to just control your emotions when you need to, make quick judgments and, and it's not I mean, it's not only the benefit of yourself but to so many lives around you. Yes. Um, that, that's amazing Paul I want to ask a question here because I have a lot of business uh, friends of mine you know who, who've taken presentations class uh, and it's sort of a, a personal goal of mine like I, mm-hmm. I, I want to one day present on a TED or TEDx stage uh, I want to know how did how were you able to get on that stage and how was that experience for you
1: oh okay um, again you know like just like writing the book I had never intended uh, to uh, to be on TED as much as I would have liked to um, but uh, here's the power of being on LinkedIn, you know? You and I met through LinkedIn. Yeah, social you know. media folks. Social media folks is right, you know, like I mean, you know, we, we got we to know each other very, very well, you know, yeah. like in the last little while. And um, I was contacted by a, a wonderful woman, Andrea Sampson, and she uh, was in charge of the uh, TEDx for the last few years. Mm-hmm. And she contacted me, uh, this was uh, last year, probably around uh, February of last year, About another uh, engagement, another speaking opportunity, unlinked to uh, to TED, Um, and uh, she asked me if I would talk about uh, hostage negotiations and how people might uh, might learn how to negotiate a little bit better. And it was called Planning This. And of course, you know, I jumped at the opportunity. I love to talk, and maybe you guys have noticed that. Um, But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, So yes, I did, and and uh, so uh, I joined her. Um, I presented, and then we started chatting afterwards, and and she asked me about some of my experiences in the Middle East. And when I told her about a story uh, in which a terrorist had saved my life in the Middle East. Most terrorists don't save your life, but one did save my life. I was about to die, and he saved my life. And when I told her about that experience, she said, that's a remarkable story. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's worthy uh, of presenting at TED. Now, she had no influence whatsoever on on who would be chosen. About two thousand applicants all the time. Yeah. She says, "But I think you should, you know, put in your ideas, and you should you should actually, uh, you know, give it a shot." Yeah. And so uh, I got the right papers, and, and anybody can can. Uh, can apply, you know, for, for, to be a presenter on TEDx. And uh, so I put in what my thoughts were, what my message was, and what the message worth spreading was. And uh, I just kind of threw it out there. Uh, I, I believe I did have a good message. I do have a good message. And by the grace of God, the grace of the universe, Uh, I was selected uh, as one of the 12 speakers and it was just an amazing, amazing experience. I met so many wonderful people. Uh, There are so many great minds in TEDx. They help you every step of the way. Uh, They help you with a writing coach. They help you with a vocal coach. Uh, They really want to see you succeed. Wow, and so that's that's how TED came. It was uh, it was a gift. What an amazing experience! Yeah, no, you know it was, it, and it still is. I'm still, I'm still basking in 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 the absolute joy that I had. Right, and, it was, and it's
0: it's always like a, a blur, right? I always know when I present, it's like yeah, even with this podcast now, like you know we'll do it, and I'll just I look back at it and say wow, like you know. What, what just happened, right? Like, you just got to take it in and just say, this is an, I'm just so grateful for such a cool opportunity. You, you, you know what? You, yes,
1: yes. You know, this moment, and every one of our moments, uh, you know, I, I spoke about this a little earlier. The past no longer exists. You know, like, there's nothing we can do to change it. The future we can plan for, but it hasn't been written yet. What really matters to us is this moment right now. This is what you and I can control. We can control this moment. You know, within reason, we can control just about everything. So when I went for for that TED talk, you you asked, you know, how do I prepare for it? Well, it's funny. I, I think we're all um, similar creatures. I, I knew what I was going to say, and I had I had practiced, and I had planned, and I had worked with a writing coach. Right. And then five minutes sitting in, in the in the green room, you know, waiting to go on stage, and then coming backstage, I'm sitting there going. Wow, I forgot everything I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, I I don't know what I'm gonna say out there. And it's funny because I, I knew it, but it's that that fear and then I had to again Shut down. exactly and then I had to again remind myself that you know what, move beyond your fear, you know, take a few moments, meditate and remember you can do this. You, can do you know, it. convince yourself and so I when I walked out on that stage and I, I hope that you all watch you know my, my TED talk, it's a message about terrorism it's a message about love it's a message about how we should be treating each other and at a time like this it is a message that each and every living soul should be listening to would you agree yes you've heard my message talks about the humanity in each and every one of us yes and if more of us would would listen to that message and start uh using the principles and living the principles of that message, mm-hmm. I think we would have a, a lot less violence
0: and, and anger and death in this world. Yes, and I encourage you to watch the TEDx uh, video. I didn't want to share too much because I don't want to ruin it. It is on YouTube. Yeah. Paul does have a channel. Uh, Paul, so after after you wrote this book, right. All right, I want to know what's in store for Paul Nado now. Because I think you're going to encourage a lot of people, including, including my parents, mm-hmm who are watching this. I keep telling my dad, I'm like, man, you should just be an entrepreneur. Like, you have so much time left. You know, you're only in your mid-50s. Like, you have so much power left to create something, to do something. Uh, and, and I say this for a lot of people who, who feel like now it's a limit. You know, so, so just talk about that. You have the experience. Oh, yeah. I want to know what you're doing. What you're okay. up to. yeah. Right now what I'm doing, I'm now a, a public and motivational speaker.
1: And uh, I also uh, consult privately. Um, I also consult uh, for major news networks like CNN, uh, City TV, The National, yes. and I consult on uh, on hostage negotiations throughout the world whenever there's a hostage taking. Wow. Uh, the news networks will contact me or if there's a terrorist incident the news networks will contact me. Uh, but my passion now is motivational and instructional uh, teaching. I can teach people how to negotiate. I can teach people how to and I, I'm not saying hostage negotiations, I'm talking about day-to-day no- negotiations. Who better to tell you how to how to get beyond conflict to success than somebody who's done as much as I have uh, with this. And I understand the steps. Uh, So that's what I'm doing right now. And as far as, um, you know, in your father's particular situation, uh, we are only limited by ourselves. Again, it comes down to being a hostage to yourself. It really comes down to that. If you say to yourself that, I've finished one career. That's the end. I may as well just go and, and walk around the park and maybe play a little golf or what. If that's what you want to do, that's great. Right. But if you have other passions and joys and interests, get just, to work. you, you know what? Work. One chapter is finished. <laughs> you write the other chapter. Yes, we are the authors of our own lives. We are the directors of our own lives. And you're right. Get to work. Get to work, get to work and just do it. You if you want something in life your 50s, 60s, 70, some great actors you know became uh, Academy Award winners and they started acting in their 50s and 60s yeah. you know like it, yeah. it's just uh, you find what you're really passionate about and write a new chapter in your life and do whatever it takes to to get you there, you know like to, to, to make that happen for you you know Amazing. really it Amazing. is up to you. it is up to you. your past does not have to equal your future. Your future. Whatever happened to you in the past does not have to equal your future. In fact, if you've drawn lessons from it, if you've learned from it, then use that. You know, and it's and it's not just about, you know, uh, providing. Hey, you know, just talk to yourself positively. No, that's nice. Talk to yourself positively, but follow it up with action. If you're digging yourself a hole, if you're digging yourself a hole, if you're you're sad, you're unhappy, you're unhealthy. Stop digging yeah and start looking for the way out and if that means uh, you know getting counseling professional counseling if that's what you need please you know that's what you must do yeah. but if you can be your own counselor if you can read uh, you know like what I, what i have provided in this book you know the tips about being your own counselor and getting yourself out of the hole and moving your way into success then you will find the answers and the joy that you're looking for and so, when you
0: are on your deathbed, you're going to go, that was amazing. No regrets. No regrets. No regrets. Baby. No regrets. Paul, well, final thoughts. Yeah. Uh, you know, most, most of the audience right now are in their mid-20s. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I'm, I'm 22, including myself. So, yep. right now, I want to finish off on a very strong note. Yep. What is one piece of advice for someone in their mid-20s, right now, watching this on Facebook Live, YouTube, what do you leave us with? Okay.
1: First of all, you're 22, you've already accomplished so much, and you're you. moving ahead. If anything, you know what I can leave you with is never, ever, ever give up. And no matter how many times you get knocked to the mat, you know, like, uh, life is not all rainbows and sunshine, you know, that beautiful speech that Rocky delivers to his son yes. in Rocky Balboa. <laughs> is age, and I remember watching the Rocky movies with my daughters. They were young at the time. I wanted them to watch the movies because they taught a principle about life. Life is not always easy. It, 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 it does kick us where it hurts. And sometimes we do fall on that mat. But it is our choice to stay on that mat or to pick ourselves up and face our fears, our opponents, our Apollo creeds, whoever they are. So never, ever, ever give up. You get slapped in the face. You get knocked down off your horse. You, uh, you, you, you suffer uh, a love loss, um, a, a wealth loss, whatever it is. That's not the end of your story unless you choose it to be. So what I can leave you with is really never give up. Go for what makes you happy. Go for what makes you joyful. And if you need to learn how to get there, Mm -hmm. find the people, the resources, the training to get you there. But look forward to the beauty that this life has to give because it has so much abundance. And the moment you start to think that it does, the moment you are open to the universe, I speak from experience. If I tell myself and I believe it and I follow through with action, it's amazing how many other people and other opportunities open up simply because I made myself available for it. I spoke to the universe, the universe listened, and everything in abundance comes to those who attract it. And you must attract it. And the only person who can do that is yourself get yourself out of your hostage state i love it do not stay in it
0: wow uh okay so i mean honestly i'm, I'm kind of speechless right now because <laughs> I've, I've really envisioned doing this for so so long and just to see it you know just get executed uh r- relatively smoothly i am so pumped i'm I, i'm serious this is this is from the heart Thank you for every single person. I don't care if it was one person watching this on Facebook Live, whether it was one person on YouTube. I am so grateful to have this opportunity. Paul, uh, you don't understand how much this means to me. Just for you to give me this opportunity to start this thing off, let's grab coffee. I'm passionate about two things, coffee and great networks. I have a lot of great speakers lined up. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I want to thank you, too. You did an
1: amazing job. Appreciate it. And I know that this is going to take off virally. Uh, You're a great host.
0: Thank you very much, guys.